Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Were you a big Farside guy back in the day? I did enjoy Farside. Yeah, I like the humor. Did you see this this article that they uh, that the website changed? I had not seen any of this. That's all this is. Is that there's no there's no actual announcements. It's just that the website changed, but it has some of his famous old characters. Nice. I hadn't appreciated any of the Gary Larson mythos. I didn't realize that he'd retired at the age of forty four. And so, and just other people have been taking it on. It is no one's in there. There hasn't it hasn't been syndicated in newspapers since 1994. There he, he made so many cartoons. I know. Well, you do you do a syndicated cartoon from 1980 to 1994. <laughs> You're gonna have a lot of cartoons. But then <laughs> he just went away. I mean, this it's amazing. Like that's like walking away at the top of your game. Yeah, I, absolutely. No, I think that. I mean, the far side are, are so relevant, like no matter what. I love yeah. material like that where you're like, oh, I can just read this. It's fine. You know, it's not any different than the day that it was released because you're able to get out of the kind of the temporal, you know, pieces that you're focused on. It's what he, he does so amazingly with his, his cartoons. We have two pieces of Game of Thrones content to discuss. Absolutely. We have a tapestry that what was it what's the actual size on the tapestry? I I can't remember. It is gigantic though. It looks amazing. I the reason I'm asking the actual size is because there's they just show the woman working on it and it's clear that it just goes a really long way. <laughs> so in, in France they made a tapestry of, of Game of Thrones, the whole story line, and it's just incredibly long. In incredibly medieval looking which is which is kind of fun it's a level of nerd that we haven't achieved yet not quite it's really stunning and then you want to talk about this the game of thrones um the pilot for the targaryen story history of the targaryens (laughs) yeah so i think i actually might be more excited about a history of the targaryens than whatever that other prequel version that they're talking about doing the Age of Heroes the one. The Age of Heroes one, yeah. I'd, I'd rather that they focus the content that's already semi out there, like the Targaryens, than right. generate brand new, not George R. R. Martin written content, basically. Yeah, exactly. No, well, it makes, and it makes so much more sense now that he wanted to get that book out. Yeah. So he clearly has his thumb on the scales of which one he wants to succeed and which one he put his time and effort into. Um, no article to share with you here, but saw this on Twitter. St. Paul Saints, our second favorite Minnesota baseball team by default. <laughs> <laughs> by default. Won a championship. Yeah. And uh, they, they had a parade. They had a parade this week. I saw the news. Oh, they had a parade? They wow, had a parade. I thought about that. It was like a couple blocks. That's, that's great. 
Where where did it go through? I didn't see actually what the what the final route was. It ended at CHS Field. Oh good. Oh good. Alright, then I know. You know roughly half of the parade corridor. Yeah, exactly. That's probably you probably know the entire parade corridor. <laughs> you know, I saw them. I went to a game this year. So that's that must have been part of it. See? That yeah, you supported a championship Minnesota baseball team this year. Maybe two. Maybe two? Wow. Maybe two. Wow. Big, cross big fingers, fingers crossed right now. Yeah. All right. This week on a short and sweet late week pod, we are going to talk about Sloan Abstracts. Specifically, we're going to workshop my Sloan Abstract. And then when you're hearing this, in a couple days, you'll hear Eric's Sloan Abstract as well. Here we go. So let's talk about the rules of the Sloan Abstract for a minute in this. Uh, the 2020 research papers and competition research paper competition is open. Abstracts are due September 30th, which is um, a Monday, annoyingly. Yeah. Great. I mean, end of the month. Sometimes that's helpful in terms of remembering what the date is, but it's sure. also a Monday. Well, as we talked about, what, two, three weeks ago, the content is, is not that good in the, in baseball. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's just that there's a huge glut of it. Right. Right. It, we've gotten to the point where so much has been talked about in baseball that, um, you know, we're into minutiae and then we're into tools that we think are in other places. Yeah. I think that's really true. And I, I think we're also a little bit. We'll talk about this when we talk about my abstract, but I think we're a little bit biased in that we've actually done a lot of really good work <laughs> and we've, we forget that not everybody has done this work and, or that a lot of the quote unquote basic work that we've done is not publicly available. Right. And we've done a lot of, and, and do we say that in the 80, 20 rule, we do, we do 20% of the work on a lot of really good stuff. And we know from when we did the, when we did the Sloan paper last time, which didn't, didn't see the light of day that going from 20% to a full paper is a whole lot of, a whole lot of work. Yeah. On the, on the meta level, do you think that our, uh, our waterfall strategy worked? Are we going to, are we going to waterfall again? We had the right strategy. We just missed every single deadline Yep, exactly. until we, we made the final deadline. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So we'll waterfall again. <laughs> Bottom line, we're both going to submit abstracts. So we're going to talk about mine uh, right now. But we'll finish talking about the rules here. So abstract submissions submitted online, which is, I guess, thanks for saying that. I was going to mail in my abstract. Uh, 500 words, excluding the title. It's pretty reasonable. And the mm -hmm. thing that I find strange about abstracts, because this is different from conference abstracts, we can have two tables or figures. Two. I got to make use of this. One figure and one table or two tables. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I... That's different from last time. Last time it was one figure, and yeah. I think that included tables. So, yeah. um, no, that is pretty huge. That's not common. So that's that's the thing that I need to spend more time on in the next week thinking about. We need to get a first final of, of that. Yeah, yeah. Take, I mean, if we known if we learned one thing from making figures last time, it was just how long it took to actually make <laughs> figures we were happy with. There again, having a figure that is a figure is great, and then having a figure that's really like production level is a whole lot of work and a whole lot of pain in the ass. I guess I could actually see that we uh, we could actually probably hurt ourselves with a bad figure. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, that's that's exactly the way and the I, whole 
So we have a pretty good evaluation idea of what should go in the abstract. And then more crucially to me, I think they actually give you the evaluation rubric. And this is where I think we really are excel excelling because it's novelty of research, academic rigor and slash validity of model. It's funny that that's considered one reproducibility and application. And so those are the things, the high, the highlights that we have to nail in these abstracts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And w that was why I think that we did as well as we did last time on, on the abstract front of it was that we, we knew what the target was and we, yep, we could get there with, with what we were, we're going to submit. Yeah. But it's pretty, I mean, Hey, novelty of research is something we can, we can hit pretty well. Academic rigor. You are in academia, which I don't know how many of these, I mean, they're actually like a surprising, large number of those folks who are submitting abstracts or yep. the um, posters who's like I'm in psychology and I have this side project I mean it's it's I, I've discussed this at, at my day job with people that the the data science aspect is it's really just keeping some good data science chops mm -hmm. up there I mean that's how I can afford to sink time into to doing anything with fantasy baseball because it's I'm learning. I'm always learning new methods yep. that we can apply somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of going to come down to how we sell the novelty of of research to me. I think that's the thing is is really making this punchy. So I will let me let me share this on the fly right now. It's it is several sentences, and you can tell me which sentences work and which ones don't here. Oh boy, formatting. <laughs> No, I kept it, well, I kept it separate because I, I want to put in, there's specific things that I want to hit in each one of these sentences is, is driving at that, but I'm not sure which ones, where we want to put them. Okay. So that's actually what we could, oh, thanks for, thanks for the typo correction. Um, the title is appropriately dry right now. Realistic error estimates for season statistics in baseball from, from clustering algorithms. Okay. And as we discussed two weeks ago, just working as many data science terms in appears to be key <laughs> to to taking these to uh, to an in high interest level. Is it season forecasts in baseball? Ooh, season forecasts. Well said. That's a good one. And then I just sort of I sort of try and introduce this predictions for the outcomes of a given MLB player's season rarely include error estimates. That's supposed to be selling the novelty. Prior to the 2019 baseball season, we built a model using clustering algorithms to estimate the error bands on a given player's performance. Given the input of previous year's performance and an estimate for plate appearances or innings pitched, we generate predictions for a given player's season statistics as well as an estimate of the uncertainty. So that to me is is describing in the, the nuttiest of nutshells what we did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think that, yeah. It needs it needs a little bit more sell on the the novelty piece. I think error bands is is right, and yeah, we need to have another buzzy buzzword. Something. Well, I mean, okay, yeah, I don't. I'm not well, sure. Let's keep, let's keep reading through this, and then we can. All right. So then I try to sell why we why we did this in the first place. So clustering provides an estimate of the covariance of different statistics. 
wanted to work covariance in. Nice. For instance, we know that home runs and runs batted in are strongly correlated, but different players may be on different relationships, which can be informed by their run total. So here's where I'm trying to describe what we actually mean by covariance in case it's not obvious to someone right. who's, who's reading this. And what we've discussed this at length, where it's basic, we know that a lot of this is dependent on batting order. Yeah. So where you are in the batting order to, will change your relationship between RBIs and runs. Absolutely. And we can use a clustering algorithm to try and tease that out. Yeah, to an extent. To create a decent facsimile. Create a decent facsimile. Well said. Uh, and then I've got a bunch of sentences that I'm not sure how we want to put these all together. Uh, I make an assertion here. Players may be forward modeled through manual assignment to similar players, which is basically getting around the fact that this is probably a late sentence. It probably shouldn't go here. Basically getting around the fact that we didn't forecast Acuna right. <laughs> right. So the, okay. I, the idea would be, okay, before the season, I don't have the data for, for Acuna, but I think he's going to look like... Mike Trout, or he's going to right, look that's like, the idea of, yeah, yeah. So you assign him to the same cluster as those guys, and then make error estimates based on that, which is which is basically the idea. Or you know, you could you could imagine. I talk about this a little bit later on, but you could imagine um, coming up, adding layers to this model, like career trajectories, like this year. It's going this year. Cattell Marte is a good example, right? Yeah. We didn't know that he was going to make this sort of jump that he made this year. Maybe we did. I haven't looked at Cattell Marte in our predictions. Did we? I should have. I should have looked at how how he did in this. So I I want to make that point, but I don't know where to put the the forward okay. modeling in the abstract yet. Uh, and then I do a, a straight description. The methodology works for a range of both counting home runs, runs, RBIs, hits, stolen bases, and pitching statistics. And that's where I think it's key because this actually, this method is a holistic model for both sides of the, of the plate. Uh, the method may also be extended to provide rudimentary estimates of win totals. We might ax that part. <laughs> yeah, we might. Though we demonstrate a recovery uh, of known results that wins are heavily dependent on the environment. So that's if we wanted to, if we did want to include wins, it depends on how far you want to take this model. We just avoid talking about wins because I think by now we assume that the, tar that the target audience of this gets that wins are so independent of other real baseball statistics. And it's true that, that we are trying to sell this to more of a real baseball audience than a fantasy baseball audience in this case. I guess you're right that um, I would have kept wins in if we're talking to fantasy analysts. Yeah. But since we're talking to people that are going to know a little bit about baseball, baseball statistics, and are going to be the kind of people that have the war on wins, <laughs> the war on wins. Yeah. I wonder what else, I wonder what else we could include. Um, what other descript, what other things we could say over what we could forecast going into the 2020 season. That would be more interesting for, um, that'd be more interesting for the, the baseball crew than for, the fantasy crew, for instance, then, then wins, I guess. I don't know. All right. Well, from here on out, I, um, just put in, I put in some crazy things and I need some help focusing on what's going to be the most interesting. So I've got, I have four, four points based on this. 
four points of sort of extension that uh, we need to talk about. Yeah. So, well, I say, I also say we demonstrate that our method recovers the 2019 season results because that's actually what motivated me to pick this piece of the project is a couple weeks ago, we did the analysis that showed that in aggregate this, that we actually did really well with the predictions that are within the error bands, within the error bars, uh, we're basically recovering the distributions, which is, which is great. So I think that's key. And then I, I brainstormed extensions and you can tell me what you think is crazy here. Uh, I said the model may easily be extended to include asymmetric error estimates, which is the thing that we discussed when we were talking about the 2019 season results and what was falling short with it. Right. Was that if you assume a normal distribution on errors, that it wasn't quite as good. We're we, able to. We sort of know that, and especially you especially get hit with uh, with injuries mm-hmm. in this. And and one of the things that's hampering us from recovering injuries is that there's a huge tail to guys with low numbers of stats. I don't know. We're never going to be able to predict that that well. But no, I mean it has to be independent. It does independent assum- assumption it needs to be like. Yeah, we have our error assumption on all of these players. And then we have right next to, in column D, you have the, um, the injury potential. <laughs> I mean, that, that would be an, an, that would be a great extension, actually. But that's not us, right? No, that's not on us. We, we could steal it from somewhere. That's our, we're, we're pretty good at when we do things that's like that. That's not me. <laughs> Another extension here, new sources of continuous data trying to get buzzwords in there may easily be included so for example you could imagine uh including hitter profiles using batted ball profiles or pitcher profiles using pitch data from Statcast. and so my idea here was trying to say that we actually could make this model fancier so we've clustered just based on the counting statistics right now but you could imagine throwing in and clustering based on their average uh their fly ball to ground ball ratio or something. Yeah. And so, cause we talk a lot about like, Oh, that's a, it's a ground ball hitter or it's a fly yeah. ball hitter, you know? And the same thing is true for, for pitchers. You could say, well, most of their pitches are grounders. Yeah. This is a, well, or yeah, that's a singer ball pitcher. Yeah. That's a fly ball pitcher. That's a, um, ground ball pitcher. That's a strikeout pitcher. That's a control, but yeah, no, exactly. We can right, And we can add that in and we can try to add that in in real time and adjust our season for because like for fantasy the question is whether we want to link this back to fantasy and mm-hmm. say why we used it for fantasy and then also then say you know we did this based on previous years of um realized stats but what we could do is add in you know more disaggregate information on a game by game basis and adjust these because what we're really trying to, to get to is how can we have as tight forecasts as possible for the remainder of the season yeah. within the season. This isn't just for draft time. This should be for like player pickups. Actually, that's a really good point. And, and this is the last point that I was trying to make, which was I was trying to extend it back to real baseball. Like what would teams do this for teams? One may predict new strategies based on the number of plate appearances or innings pitched. I find that to be the least compelling. That's the part where we need to, where I need to work on this the most is, is what do we recommend for strategies? All I was trying to say is that 
this might inform where you should put a guy in the batting order. Yeah, exactly. I mean, directly, it informs that. It might be another place where we, you can you can have a good idea of where 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 you should be in the batting order. I mean, right? This adds a macro level assessment yeah. of whether or not Starling Marte should be high, <laughs> high or low in the batting order. <laughs> no, it's a it's a good question. I think what I'm struggling with is how much do we assert that this is actually helpful to baseball front offices. Yeah. I mean, front offices, it, I think I've, I've sort of long mythologized front offices, but they're definitely just employing some guys that are doing exactly this behind the scenes. Well, well, <laughs> no, exactly. Um, from when I was there, uh, when I was at the last loan conference. So I personally, I would love to sell it to fantasy people and I want to sell it to fantasy people, but it's a little bit harder set. We have to just get through the gate with the Sloan gatekeepers. Okay. That's what I'm worried about is, All right. is getting over, getting so over. So we're going to do a bait and switch. Yes. All right. That about brings us to the review session. Michael Conforto. I know you were annoyed at having to watch the Mets, but, uh, Conforto. Well, I know that you, I know that you enjoyed watching other Mets players more than you enjoyed watching Conforto. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> the soap opera that is watching the Mets. Are they officially eliminated from the playoffs now? Mathematically, they were uh, close. They're really close. They kept on talking about it on the in the game that I watched. <laughs> Who cares? They're not going to make the playoffs. No, they're not. But it's a good question. Good mathematical question. All right. No, they could. They could. They're four games out with um less with more than four games to play. All right. So not mathematically eliminated. Good job, Mets. Go for it. That would really screw up our bet box if they uh, if the Mets made it. It would. Yeah. <laughs> All right, back to Michael Conforto. Predictions for predictions. Uh, his what he is on pace for for the full season: 150 games, 86 runs, 86 RBIs, 31 home runs, seven stolen bases, 250 average. That is an average player. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. that is an average fantasy owned player. Yes. Absolutely. We are a fantasy podcast. That's well, exactly what I we meant. Just, we just talked about baseball. We just talked <laughs> okay, about yeah, baseball. Get, scrub that. Get that get that baseball taste out of our mouth. Back to fantasy. Well, the 30, 30 home runs is good. That's that's above average. I mean, because 30 home runs is is pretty darn good. Sure. 86 and 86 is pretty reliable. That he has seven stolen bases is better than, you know, the none that some players are going right. to give you. The 250 average is is below but i'll say he didn't really look like that in the game that i watched no no he did not he i don't know where he's getting these statistics from because he right. doesn't look that effective to me i i a hundred percent agree he strikes now, out a lot <laughs> there i right i saw a couple yeah. of whiffs as well and i'm like I'm, i thought that you were supposed to be i thought that he had better plate discipline yeah, in 2017, he was a 279 hitter. Um, that's what I was going back to think about. He won 109 games last year. Okay, you know, I was going to say, is this a, this could be a sophomore slump guy, but you love that, the concept. I, there. I do love the, the concept, but I forgot that he had a full season in 2018 and was similarly average, uh, according to Mike's metri- metrics. <laughs> Fantasy average. <laughs> 
Oof, 159Ks last year. And he's on pace for 150 this year. I'm scrolling through what he, um, scrolling through his, the outcomes of his plate appearances. Guy grounds out a lot. Yeah, he's not, um, and he's not that big. <laughs> we've discussed, we, we were discussing this before we recorded. 61215. I mean, he's not, a, not a small guy. Well, if we, if we apply our standard metrics to that, he's probably what, 511 to 20. This is the big thing is there's nothing, there's nothing that really stands out about him. So why did he get so much fantasy buzz like two two years years ago? Two years ago, it was, he was really exciting and they were holding him, they were holding him back a little bit. Cause I think because, because our, our main home league players like this disappear onto teams, Mm -hmm. I had, I I internalized the part where I listened to podcasts and they're like Michael Conforto, like this is it, like he's gonna break out and really really be great for the Mets, and then uh, and then just nothing ever happened. And That's because he was like a twenty three year old. He had a whole lot of promise, and he was gonna be the new the guy that you're gonna be able to pick up midway through the year mm-hmm. to fill a hole in your um, in your lineup, and he was gonna be really good. But then. You know, once he's playing a full season, you're like, okay, but he's actually, you know, once you take out the, um, the surprise element, he's just a, a guy. Where, where does he, where is he going to end up? Uh, where do you think he's going to end up getting drafted next season? Well, that's, that's a good question. I mean, it doesn't seem like the Mets are going to be worse next year. So you can probably, I would probably say this is, pretty close to what he's going to end up with next year. And this feels like a, a sixth rounder. Yeah. He's currently in the seventies right now in rank. He's, he's, I mean, he's not really that sexy, but he's going to be, he's only going to be 27. So no, he's, he should still be on the upswing. I think you were alluding to this earlier though, which is that he's not the sexiest player on the Mets. No, no, he's not the sexiest by, player. By a long stretch, actually. Alonzo is the guy. Uh, Alonzo is the is the new guy. That's right. And then you have their pitchers, right? You could have kind of wished that Conforto Ahmed. became Alonzo, right? Or that that Alonzo that, that was what, this is what you dreamt of for Conforto, <laughs> right? That right. you have an Alonzo like outcome. No, they just missed. Yeah, they just missed. Um, I yeah, I would say seven. Uh, you think six rounder? I think six rounder. Is he going to be? So he's going to be drafted in the top seventy-two of drafts. I, I, his ADP will definitely be in top seventy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, generously. No, I, his ADP has got to be top seventy. So sixty-nine over under. Sure, you'll take the under. I'll take the under. Okay, I'll take the. I'll take the over. Why not? Six nine and a half. This guy. <laughs> All right, let's call it. That's a good one. Just inching you down. Yeah, slowly. Average ADP. Well, average ADP. That's a bit of a... (laughs) Average Um, average draft position. Yeah. yeah. His ADP will be under 69.5. That's fair. It is funny when you get these these players that have that, that sheen kind of... That gloss just taken off of them and then you forget it's like oh yeah because that's the thing is if he goes 
if he's in the seventh round of your draft, you should be picking him up. Nope. Yeah, I totally agree. But it, it's <laughs> he will reliably go out there, 600 plate appearances if he's in the top four of the order, and strike out one time, ground out twice, <laughs> and then hit a nice double. Yeah, that's that is I would call that a conforto. And if if Ahmed Rosario and Alonso are in that lineup with him, that could be really good. If they're if that if that team has more exodus or more injury, oof, that's well. They they spent a lot on the off season this year. I think they actually want to be an effective team. <laughs> the amount of money they spent, they want to be a good team, but. I, they'll they'll sell for effective. Yeah, and and they're basically they basically got to effective this year. You know, like they're still sniffing the playoffs in the last season, mm-hmm. last week of the season. That's important. All right, who are we going to watch in the next couple days? Jorge Soler. Good call. Good call. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools. Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mine's Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yay!